Boston Loose Baseball, episode 86, comes your way. The director of player development for the Nationals, Dejan Watson, joins us. We're going to ask him about a bevy of the team's prospects, and we'll get into Elijah Green's disappointing season with him as well. Plus, our thoughts on the system at the end of the minor league year, and Jackson Rutledge made a strong major league start. All coming up on BLB right now. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is Boston Loose Baseball alongside Toby Altizer. I'm Grant Paulson. Where to begin, Toby? Uh, let's just start with Jackson Rutledge looking really good in a major league start. First time out. You know, it's always hard controlling the emotions. It was a tough game for him all the way around. There were, I think, three blue pits that fell in, like, on the chalk, on the line. He got hit in the head with a throwback to second. I mean, anything that could have gone wrong did. But then against the White Sox, I know that's a bad team, but it's his second big league start. He pitched into the seventh, man. He wasn't doing that in the minors. Six and a third, six hits, two runs, a walk, only two strikeouts, but he pitched to contact. And we talked about this a lot when we broke him down in the minors this year. He's not really a heavy volume strikeout guy, which you might think he would be throwing 98 miles an hour as a former first rounder. But that was Rutledge at his best, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I I really like what we've seen so far from Rutledge, especially in the White Sox start. I mean, this is a guy that we... We're encouraged by the progress he made in the minors this year to finally get him up to the majors, a guy that was a first-round pick. You know, you'd like to see him maybe be a little more efficient in his first start, but sometimes those things happen. I mean, are we going to bash Cade Cavalli when he comes back up because his first start was bad? He's, you know, it just happens sometimes in your debut. So, you know, I'm not going to read too much into his first start. You saw him improve significantly in his second start, and – I mean, I don't know exactly what this guy projects to be. I think, and you'll hear this in our conversation with Deshaun Watson talking about various pitchers in the organization. I think they've got a lot of guys that can slot in as four and five starters, maybe even as number three starters. And I think that's good to have competition in the organization for that because that means whoever gets those spots is going to have to earn them. So that means that they're going to have to pitch well to get into the rotation because you think of a Rutledge, you think of you know DJ Hers and some of these other guys within the organization they're going to be fighting for those last couple spots as early as, you know, even early next year or definitely through the middle and going into 2025. So they're going to have to earn those spots. And then the other guys will probably have to slot into the bullpen somewhere, you know, fill in when guys get injured in the, in the rotation or whatever. But I think it's good for the organization to have this kind of competition. And Jackson Rutledge is one of the guys in that competition to keep those four and five roles. And I mean, we've seen it with Jake Irvin. Like this is a guy that's, you know, we, we expected to be a bullpen guy and he comes up and he has fought really hard and kept a spot in the rotation. I think that's going to be the case for a lot of these guys. If they want to stick in the rotation, you can't come up and have subpar stuff. You got to come up and produce. Otherwise, some guy's going to take your spot. And I think that's good for the organization to have because that's something, Grant, we can't say for the last couple of years where, you know, it was it wasn't great competition in the organization in terms of prospects. Like basically if you were a top prospect, you were just given the spot because the guy behind you definitely wasn't taking your spot. It's nice to have competition that breeds better results on the field. Yeah. I'm excited to kind of see what happens at the back of the rotation. I'm hopeful that they sign a veteran starting pitcher to add to the mix. 
Obviously, Trevor Williams is under contract. We'll see what happens there. But, I mean, the rotation potentially, Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, Corbin will be back for the final year of his deal. Um, so you'd think those guys could be fixtures. But then you, you had to have a spring competition, even if they don't do anything else, between guys like Yohan Adone, uh, Jake Irvin, Jackson Rutledge. You know, there, there are other arms getting close here, you would imagine, in this system as well. I think DJ Hers is knocking on the door now after dominating in double-A. Mitchell Parker, similarly, is another guy uh, who has thrown really well and just pitched at the triple-A level at the end of the season. So maybe those guys aren't breaking camp with the team, but they're all going to be vying for starts as the season goes on. So I'm excited about that. As far as young pitchers go, we should also mention uh, in the maybe the most fun game of the year for the Nats, the, the getaway day Wednesday, yesterday, as we taped this on Thursday against the White Sox, they scored 13 runs. It was my baby's first time at the game. My daughter uh, had never been, so she now only thinks the Nats score 13 runs every time she goes. I was like a six-week-old. Uh, but it was a great, fun day at the park. You and I were there chilling, watching it together. Josiah Gray was pretty good again. And this is very encouraging because after the brutal stretch, and it was lengthy, that he had where things had gone real sideways for his season, uh, he went six and a third, two runs, 10 Ks against the Pirates. And then he comes back with five innings, one run yesterday against the White Sox. Um, now, it wasn't, frankly, finished the way that I wanted because he had a big lead and he started kind of, you know, nibbling a little bit and walking a couple guys in that fifth inning through a bunch of pitches. I would have preferred attack mode there. But having said that, I think on the last pod or two pods ago, you and I basically said the way we're going to view his season is is to be determined by his stretch run, these final three or so yep. starts. And he's thrown great in one of them, good in one of them, and he's got one more outing coming against Atlanta. If he could go throw six good innings against the Braves and and finish off with a you know a three pack of of legit starts then you feel like that rough patch was basically the meat of a sandwich and you're not worried as much. So I do think that's a big deal for Jojo to have a second straight, pretty good outing just to go into the off season with some confidence and then start to go back to the mechanical well and, and tinkers and figure out what he's got to do. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that now after that last start, he's going to make one more before the season's done. His ERA sits at four even. So, you know, if he goes out there and has a good outing, he gets back into the threes where he spent most of the year. And, you know, if he finishes the year with a three, nine, six ERA grant, it just feels like he can kind of erase a little bit of that rough stretch from the all-star break up until really his last couple of starts, because he, he really did struggle, but you know, you don't want it to be something where he has a bad five, six, seven start stretch and you wipe away the rest of the season. I mean, this is a guy that was an all star in the first half. So hopefully he can go out there in his last start, make a just have a good outing, you know, and this is something where, like we said, we're going to kind of judge the whole season, not necessarily just off this stretch run, but this is kind of going to give us a springboard in the next year. And he's starting to show you once again, look, he's not Mackenzie Gore with the kind of stuff. He's not going to be this pitcher when you turn on the t television that he's just electric and you're just wowed by his stuff. But he fights every single time out. And, you know, hopefully he can get back to what he was in the first half where, yes, he might have some struggles with some walks, but he can find ways to battle out of it. They can work on it in the offseason. And hopefully you cut down on some of those walks and you can have this guy coming out there. He's not giving up hard contact, occasionally gives up the home run. And if you can be that, I mean, he might project only as a three, but he'd be a pretty decent three starter for you. So hopefully he can build off what he's done the last couple of starts, finish strong, and then go into next year with a lot of positive energy. Dang, zoom. 
We were going to play in just a moment uh, our interview with Dejon Watson, who runs the Nats system as their director of player development. A couple things on the interview. So number one, basically we wanted to run through as many of the top prospects you guys are excited about as possible. We did not get to nearly as many of them as we wanted to. Uh, so that's number one. But but a bunch of the big names, there, there are good conversations about them. I think he gave us some good insight. He gave us some deep cut names to look out for who may not be highly regarded prospects on all the rankings lists that he thinks maybe are better than they get credit for. So I think it's a good conversation. I will say I was just kind of going through a list of top prospects that I jotted down. And because of that, we didn't spend as much time as we probably should have on the struggles of Elijah Green, but <laughs> we did fit it in at the end of the interview. Um, you know, frankly, I, I feel bad we didn't ask him earlier and spend a little more time on that because it was a super disappointing season for Green. So uh, when we get another staffer on, and we'll do that very soon from the Nationals, uh, we could definitely dive into some of the more, you know, the, the disappointing guys because I think we kind of went with the arrow up guys with Dijon, not necessarily by design as much as, you know, my poor organizational skills of just being excited to ask him about Cruz and Wood and House and Lyle and Morales and Pinckney and, you know, some of the guys that have really broken out here but, this but year. But Grant, I think that points back to what we've talked about, and I've brought this up before. I would say that 90 to 95% of the organization is positive. I mean, if you went through and tried to pick guys that you were negative on, I think you could find two right away. But, I mean, outside is of that... the uh, green and, and the hassle season, probably? Yeah, correct. I mean, yeah. those are two guys that you're like, all right, they didn't live up to the expectations, but how many more guys exceeded expectations. So, you know, we probably should have spent more time breaking it down because Elijah Green was a top five pick and Robert Hassel exactly. was a huge part of the Soto trade. But I think that does speak to the fact that we're so excited to talk about the James Wood, who took a jump from being, you know, he's a good prospect to being a great prospect, a top five prospect in all the baseball. The Nationals obviously get a guy in a Dylan Cruz. Like, there's so much to be excited about with the National system. Obviously, you'd love to see those guys pan out. But there are still other guys that if they were not to pan out, if it were to be something where they just they fell off and were never to be able to find it again, there's still plenty of other guys in the organization. I think that's why this has been such a positive season, unlike other national seasons where if the prospect didn't work out, notice how I said prospect. They you know they usually only had one guy. Like in the years past, if Elijah Green didn't pan out, they're like, well, <laughs> that sucks. But you know, Elijah Green might not pan out, and they might still have a full outfield of prospects. You know, so yeah. And the nice other thing about Hassel too, Tobe is is uh, we're talking about he's 22 years old and in Double A, and even if he doesn't develop into the bat that a lot of people thought he was going to, he's going to be a useful player mm -hmm. at the major league level. Like he can play multiple positions. He's probably a 55 runner. He's got a 55 arm. You know, he's, he's a 55 fielder. Um, so let's say the hit is only 50 or something. Uh, or, you know, this year he looked like a 45 guy, but I, I would still say he's an average hitter. And maybe the power is 45 or something. Uh, that you still get – it's not what it was supposed to have been, but in a deal where you got James Wood and you got Mackenzie Gore and you got C.J. Abrams, we knew all five of these guys weren't going to max out, right? And so – it looks pretty good on the Abrams and Gore front at the major league level. Uh, and then it looks really good on the James Wood front. So if Susana ends up being a lights out late inning reliever, and I still think he has a chance to be a good starter, uh, you'll hear Dijon talking about him a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think it, it still looks brilliant. I mean, we talk about that trade all the time as, as an organizational saver, as, as a game changer 
in a lot of ways for the Nationals. Um, but I'm not as down, frankly, on Hassel, who had a great finish to the season, as I am on Elijah Green. Yeah. And, and I'll just be honest, right? This is my opinion. I didn't love Green coming out. Uh, I was excited by the pick because it's a, it was the biggest boomer bust kind of player in the, the class. And at five, you're getting a guy who could win an MVP award. But I, I just don't do high schoolers who swing and miss as much as he did. And I'll miss on a lot of guys. Like, I probably would have missed on James Wood, who had a swing adjustment shortly after being drafted by the Padres, had some swing and miss to his game at the same school at, at uh, IMG Academy in Florida. And, you know, for me, I, I just – I'm not a scout, so I can't teach someone how to hit a baseball. So I kind of – I'm a little more conservative. I need to see it to believe it. And that's why I was more in on like Brooks Lee or somebody like that in the draft last year. Having said that, the ceiling for Elijah Green is a lot higher, but there's just not much of a precedent. I know he's only 19 for a guy kind of doing what he's done at that level and going on to become like a star at the major league level. Um, but there, there's obviously hope he's very young, uh, but I do wish we would have brought him up and talked to him a little bit more, but it, it also speaks to this. And what I thought you were going with that is, on the podcast, I feel like a lot of times we forget about him. Like when yeah. we name their future players, that like we never bring him up. We're like in the outfield, they've got boom, 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 boom. In the system, they've got boom, 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 boom. And we never talk about Elijah Green as if he doesn't exist anymore. And this guy is a year into a career as a 19-year-old where he was a number five pick and had as much ceiling as anybody in the class. So I just think, you know, that's a sign probably of like everyone wanting to microwave this thing instead of crockpot it. Uh, the fact is there's still a chance that he ends up being really good and they got their work cut out for him. And, and this is a chance for them to spin a narrative too, right? Everyone says, oh, the Nats, you know, with hitters, look what they've done. Baseball America puts out the story they did about the, the lack of production from their homegrown bats, which is going to change pretty massively, it looks like, because Wood's coming and Cruz is coming and Morales is coming and Lipscomb's coming and uh, you go Pinckney might be coming. And, I mean, it's, it's going to be fun. You already see Jacob Young in the big leagues helping and, they're starting to get production from the second tier guys like Jake Alou. But, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I just think that was a testament to he's like a, a bonus now, it feels like. Like, and yeah. I know you shouldn't view top five picks that way. That, that's not the way it's going to be viewed in the industry. But because I think Dalen Lyle's underrated, it looks like Morales was a little bit of a steal. We'll see what Pinckney is. Uh, I, I'm not going to overreact to a small sample, but Pinckney looks like he could be a legit standout player and he was a fourth round pick you know that's how you make up for missing for a long time they mm -hmm. weren't finding guys in the fourth round or 40th overall you know you draft a bat they're not getting to the big leagues let alone being an impact player for you if you could start doing that toby then you're you can miss every now and then in the top 10 and, and no one's gonna really make that big of a deal about it yeah i mean i hate to simplify it when you look at elijah green and just say one thing is the issue, but I really feel like it is. And I think you could still make the argument out of everyone. And I'm including James Wood. I'm including Brady house. I'm including Dylan Cruz. I think you can still have the argument that Elijah green has the highest ceiling out of all these guys, because you look at MLB pipeline and just look at his scouting grades, power 60 run 70 arm 60 field 60. And I think some of those might even be conservative scouting grades. Cause I think some of those tools might be even louder. So he's literally got everything except for hitting the baseball. And that's the thing. If he can find a way to cut down on strikeouts, and we talked about that a little bit with Deshaun Watson, it's going to be in his game. We talk about this with Yo-Yo some. 
You know, these guys are power hitters. They're going to strike out. That comes with the territory, but you can't strike out 50% of the time. Can you find a way to put the ball in play more, use the speed? I mean, he's stealing bags. He's playing great in the outfield. He can obviously show off the arm. He's got the power. We know that. It's literally just fix the hitting and making contact with the baseball. And if they do that, if they can find a way, whether it's a swing adjustment, I, I think that's probably what it entails more so than an approach because I think he has a pretty good approach. If they can fix that, they've got a guy. So, like, you know, I know we talk down about him a lot, but this is a guy that has all the potential in the world. It's just about fixing the most fundamental thing in all of baseball for a hitter, which is hitting the baseball. So if they can find a way to do that, which I'm not saying is easy, they might still have something. I just think that they are so much deeper now. You know, it's easy to notice the good prospects that everyone loves, that what I call blue chippers, that, you know, Pipeline and, and Baseball America and Prospectus are putting over. But the, the number of guys that are pretty good that no one talks about now in this system is bountiful. And that was just not the case. Guys like Dustin Signs, a 24-year-old lefty who was at AA with Harrisburg this year and made over 20 starts and had 120 innings and 100 strikeouts and a 3-4 ERA. You know, looked like as a fourth-round pick out of Texas A&M, maybe a big league player for them. Uh, Brad Lord, who's a 23-year-old they drafted in. I mean, they got him in the 18th round out of South Florida. He was like the 550th pick. And he had an ERA in the high threes, low fours, 105 innings, 85 strikeouts, you know, pitching this year up to A+. plus. Like, you're starting to get to a point in this system where there are guys you kind of stumble into that are pretty good. And that was never possible before because you knew everyone who had any chance to be a major leaguer just because there weren't that many of those guys. And and the work of really, you know, the, the whole staff, it's Rizzo and it's, uh, Watson and it's Mark Shalaba and you know all of the instructors all the way down. I think it speaks to it, it's just impressive and, and it's they they kept their nose to the grindstone. I hope you know that, that that they have the ability with some restructuring. That's something. Next time we talk to Dijon, I want to talk about. Um, and if we get other people from the Oregon, I want to ask about. You know, are you going to have all the resources needed? Do you have some of the the technology, the R and D departments, the you know, are you on par with the Orioles and some of these systems like the Braves that do it well with what you're given? Are you kind of, you know, developing with your hands tied behind your back like you were years ago? It seems like they've closed the gap and they've spent and they've invested, which is good. Um, so that's all important. But they got to keep doing it. You know, it was discouraging for me to see how many of the the scouts internationally at the major league level they kind of moved on from. Are, are those jobs being cut or are they they basically going to replace them? We don't really know. But it's obvious in the last two years that the way that they're developing players has gotten a lot better as they've invested into doing so. And that's why I hope they kind of continue down this path. Long gone. Let's let people hear from Dejon Watson, the director of player development with the Nationals. Uh, here's how our conversation sounded. We are pumped to be joined on Bust and Loose Baseball by Dejon Watson, who runs the Nets. Farm system. He's their director of player development. We've been talking about these prospects all year, and I wanted to wait till the end of the season to start bugging people who make the important decisions for the Nats to come on. They're still doing work, but the minor league campaigns have wrapped up for the most part at the levels around minor league baseball. Dejan, thank you for the time. We really appreciate it. Grant, thanks for having me, man. It should be fun. It was a uh, really productive year at the minor league level. So before we start diving in on some of the prospects and, and kind of getting into your gig, How'd you feel about this season? You know, a lot was made about this system over the last couple of years. You guys have added a ton of talent, and it seems like 
that talent created some competition that really brought out the best in guys. You know, it's been a really fun year, man. And uh, watching these young kids that we got from the year before, as well as the, the kids we acquired this year's draft, and then starting to put them in, <clears throat> excuse me, putting them on the same teams to compete with one another. It's been so fun watching them develop and grow as young men and players and just watch them communicate with each other because now they're starting to understand what this fight will be as they move forward and get closer to the big leagues to try and impact our major league club. Yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on some of the guys that have made it all the way to the big leagues? Like a guy like a Jacob Young that wasn't he wasn't really that close when you starts in, you would think, Fredericksburg, and all, all of a sudden at the end of the year he's up with the big league club. So what's that been like for the system to see some of these guys that were far down the system get all the way to the majors, and then some of the guys that, like a Jake Irvin, he gets up to the big leagues, and Grant and I talked, and we're like, maybe he's a bullpen guy, and all of a sudden he's sticking in the rotation. He's surprising a lot of people. Yeah, I, I think it's really, you know, it's a testament to hard work that the kids are putting in, and also a testament to, the, to our, our, our staff on the development side, our pitching coaches from level to level, our hitting coaches from level to level, our, our R&D team, we've put in a lot of work as well as sharing information with these guys on, on really understanding where their stuff plays, how their swings work. So we've been putting a lot of work with these guys on the backside of this thing. Uh, JY, his skill set is just one of those unique skills, right? He can really run and defend. Those will be the, the, main, the things that kind of jump off the, off the board for you. And when you see a guy like him, once he starts to get the ball off the ground with his swing and starts line drives into gaps, there's no telling when that guy will get there or how quickly he can get there. It's just really about the opportunity. And uh, I think we had the opportunity. And, and again, we had just drafted Cruz. And he was killing the the, the Freddie that the league down there in Fredericksburg. And I was like, I need to push this guy to get him to where he really will see some real competition so I can get him prepared for this upcoming winter so he'll know what he'll need to do this offseason and understand the fight when he when he comes back in for, for 24. And so with that move of pushing him up, it allowed me to push JY to AAA. Uh, and then there was just a need at the right time, right? And that's what I, I we try to preach to these young men down here. In instructionally, you just never know when that opportunity is going to come. And we have to try and take advantage of every single day to try and get us closer to becoming that major league player and how do we finish it off and what are the areas we're trying to address with them and and these kids have been so open and receptive to to the communication and the dialogue that we're having with them uh, we've the last two years we've tried to condense down our, our our working groups especially down here in instructional league to really narrow down on their overall skills right and what they need to to kind of finish off that make them more viable and again try to earn that manager's trust and when they, when i was when i said earn that trust davey has to be comfortable knowing that if he puts you in that lineup, you're going to go out there and grind out those at-bats, play great defense, know which bases to throw through, run the bases you know, appropriately. And we're trying to make sure, again, we're playing fundamentally sound baseball every single day, man. So it's been uh, it's been fun working with these young men. It's been fun working with the coaches and getting them to buy into how we're trying to establish and create this culture of how we want to play our brand of baseball. And, again, we're trying to you know go hard 90 every single day. We're playing hard. We have some young kids that we just acquired here in the organization. These guys all run, man. They're all solid average to above average runners. All of our outfielders. We have 12 outfielders here that can that are going to be fun to watch over the next couple of years here. So it'll be fun. I'm sorry I'm rambling on, but I get excited when I start talking about these players in-house. Well, we love hearing it. Dijon Watson with us here on BLV. So this isn't the best form of question, but I'm going to make some observations, and I just want you to kind of agree, disagree, react, go wherever you want sure. with it. But it feels to me like a lot of the guys that got to the show this year are not like the blue chippers that are coming, right? The, the elite players in your system, so to speak, according to the prospect industry, which is not always right. But mm -hmm. the guys that really have a chance to be superstars, we're talking about Dylan Cruz and James Wood and Brady House, and those mm -hmm. top of the board picks, they're still coming. And you guys had them all in one lineup, which I want to talk about, which was awesome. But yeah. to get to see 
some players that I always liked and thought were underrated. Jake Irvin and Jake Alou, who's just scrappy as hell. And uh, Jacob Young, who's, I mean, who you watch that guy play once and you're not hooked. I don't know what to tell you. But, like, it, it just seemed to me like the, the maybe the second level of your system kind of got there first. It just so happened they were closer. And yeah. a lot of those guys, I don't want to say they overachieved, but they kind of held their own. And, and I guess what I'm wondering is, like, you've got to have ideas in the back of your mind of what you view a player as maybe. Mm-hmm. How do they go about changing that? In other words, like, you know, maybe when you're a first division team again winning titles, Jacob Young might be a fourth outfielder, but yet that guy's good enough that he could be Adam Eaton too. He could be like a five plus win, awesome defensive player who flies on the base paths. So like, do you just kind of leave it all open to them or like, how does that work in terms of, I got guys coming, but you're still going to dictate terms on like what you are eventually in the case of say Jake Irvin, who we thought back end or bullpen. And then you watch him enough and you go, maybe there's actually a starter in here. Like this is interesting. Yeah, um, I, I think ultimately it's, it's, it's Riz's call on, on how he wants to build out that club. My job and goal is to get these guys ready to be major leaguers and, and championship caliber major leaguers. And when they have a need, I make my suggestions to Riz and to Davey, and then they will make the call on the players that they want to put on that club and with whom they feel fits best. I, I will definitely um, you know, give them my reasoning for, for how I see player X. Uh, but yeah, we do have some really talented young players in our system. Um, I, I do believe Jay Wise has a chance to be an everyday player. Uh, we do have some young, really exciting players behind them that are going to be banging on that door, not knocking on They're going to be banging on that door. Uh, I mean, James Wood, I mean, it, it, this guy, you can just go ahead and book it right today. He's going to be 30 and 100 when he gets there. And, and he's going to hit you. I think he's going to be in that 275 to, or above. And he's, once he settles in and continues to grow his strike zone awareness, he's going to be a really fun player to watch. Cruz. I'm still getting a feel for Cruz. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to be a big leaguer force. So both of those guys, man, they have upside tools and they can play the game. They play the game the right way. Dylan Lyle, another kid who was in Fredericksburg who went to Wilmington. This dude can flat out rake. Just, just keep an eye on it. Um, and, and Pinckney, no one even talks about this cat. This dude may be the fastest guy in the organization. Line drive, gap strength, tremendous routes and, and arm. Uh, he's going to be fun. So it's like the competition because if, if once they get there, I mean, if they're playing exceptionally well, well why are we going to make a move? You yeah. have to make someone make that move. So that is our job down here is to make these boys be be so talented that they're not not knocking on the door. We're banging on the door, making someone have to create space for them. And that's our goal is to get these guys ready to go out and compete every single day and to help our major league club. And when they get there, don't go there and just kind of you know blend in. We're going in there to, to be impactful and play the game the right way and, and help those clubs win on a nightly basis. So I think the best thing we could do to, to get intel for our listeners and, and just to, you know, your, get your time and, and, and use you as a resource is to go through some of these guys as many as we can in the system. You mentioned Wood. So getting to see him as much as I have, I'm blown away by him. Size, speed that doesn't really exist. You mentioned 30 and 100 in the big leagues. Guy had 26 bombs in the minors this year, playing a lot of games at Harrisburg and Wilmington. It's a show. Yeah. Yeah. The one question I would have, about him is his strikeout rate was up to 37%. Yep. And I've seen him enough to see that a lot of those strikeouts are like full counts and good at bats. Mm-hmm. But I am curious, like that's a higher number than I would have expected. What's yes. your take on that? And how do how do you kind of knock that down to say 28% or something? I think, you know, for me, it was a great learning experience for the player, right? Number one, because he's never been pitched the way he's been pitched. So now he's understanding how they're going to attack him moving forward. I do foresee that number coming down next year. 
uh, and it was more of a north-south thing. They were they were they were kind of giving him some elevated heaters that he may expand or chase with, and they were trying to finish him down and in with soft stuff and breaking stuff down and in. And that's just a discipline, you know, uh, that I think he has in his approach and in his mindset. Um, if you watch him against left-handed pitching, the way he managed those at bats against lefties, it, it tells you that there's something different in his overall approach. So, again, I'm not overly concerned. He's 20 years old, just turned 21 the last day of the season. Uh, I think he's in a really good place, and he still has room for growth. Uh, I think, this, again, the, as he continues to see more pitchers and understand, again, how he's being attacked, and he will recognize and be able to apply his offensive plan to them. And you also have to remember these these – umpires I'm not trying to throw anybody in the bus here again the double a umpiring and before a guy his size in the strike zone it's really kind of difficult for them to be consistent with him from ballpark to ballpark and umpire to umpire so the, the, again those things do play into it this guy's really disciplined he understands his zone really well uh, i think he's going to be fine i really do and i think I, I think you'll see those numbers come down a lot of people were fired up when the nationals had the opportunity to take dylan cruz at number two overall a guy that's you know, won, won the Golden Spikes Award, obviously crazy numbers in the SEC. You haven't had the longest time to get to know him, but what are your initial thoughts been and what was some of the thought process of going from A ball to double A to get him some of that extra work and improved competition? Right. I got a chance to see him, uh, I would say maybe eight to ten games, you know, once we got him in the fold here. And he was so dominant in Freddie, uh, the way he managed the strike zone. His routes and jumps were fine there in center field and covered some ground. Uh, his ability to run the bases, his first to third, his, his ideas and seeing the plays in front of him. He was really aggressive on the bases. Um, I thought that really, for me, the biggest thing was the at-bat quality that he was putting together in Freddie, that I thought he needed to see a little bit more advanced pitching. And and, and in order to get him prepared uh, for, for what's in front of him, getting the double-A as quickly as we could so he could start getting his gauge is set on how these guys are going to be coming at him with that quality stuff on an everyday basis. Once they get to double A, I mean, that is like the jump off point for all of these players, right? Because that's that's a real separator for, I think, the, the men from the boys because the pitching is so much better. Uh, they're, they're secondary stuff. They're able to command it, and they, they, they just start controlling and commanding the plate a lot better than double A double A league. So for me, getting him there as quick as we could for him to get some, to, again, get recognition of what he needs to work on in the offseason, I thought was really important. So I think he's going to be fine. He'll come back into camp and be ready to you know, get, get going again in, in 24. Uh, we'll keep it moving with some of the top guys in the system. I was talking to a scout, um, you know, this has been a couple months ago now, and, and they were talking about Brady House's season. And they said, I, I really, first of all, they, they were like, this dude is the best prospect no one talks about at that time. But they're like, the thing for me I want to see is more hit tool than power because like, you can watch him take BP once and know that he has the power. And it's yeah. interesting because he, I say only, but he hit 12 homers this year. But the guy had a 900 OPS almost, and he, you know, he hit for average, which yes. was so, he hit 312. Yes. I would imagine you guys are elated because, like, the power you don't worry about with him. It's the other stuff you wanted to see him do, and he did it. So wh where are you at on House? I'm, I'm a huge House fan. What a great young man. I mean, he's been working his tail off, just really trying to make sure. Our goal was really taking care of him, getting him through a full season. He had never played a full season. So my goal was to make sure he made it through this season healthy, upright and competing his butt off. And he did everything we asked him to do. He worked hard every single day uh, and he came out and showed out. Um, and he was 19 in double A to start the, you know, when he got there, uh, made, made tremendous adjustments and, and pitch recognition improved and he was managing advanced pitching. And that's all you're asking for. So when you're able to get him there and he was hitting for average and I, in the back of my mind, I was like, man, where's this boy's power? I know it's in there. It's just, it's gonna, it's gonna come. 
And and for me to see him hit a ball oppo for a homer and to pull one in the left center field, I was like, okay, he's going to be just fine. And um, he continues to – man, the transition from shortstop to third base for me was the bigger coup for me. Um, the way he manned up and played third base, and if you watch him now, it, it just – it just puts a big old Kool-Aid smile on your face, man, because he's, he's enjoying himself. He's playing hard, and he gets it. And he, and he just, you know, he, he's really passionate about his craft, and, and he wants to get better every single day. So I'm really excited about him and, and the future for him. He's going to be an impact player, an impact bat for us, and he's going to drive some baseballs. And the power will definitely be there. I think he's going to play, you know, solid average to plus uh, once he gets into his man strength. He doesn't really need to get into any more strength. But as he gets into his man body and understands how, to, how he's being attacked, he's going to wear people out. When you mentioned his health, for a lot of publications, he dropped out of the top 100 prospects. And at the end of this season, now he's back <laughs> squarely inside, right? How yes, much yes. of last year's struggles and what people were attributing to maybe a little bit of a fall off were due to the injuries? And then this season, how did you manage trying to get him through the full season? I don't know if, you know, again, what what happened last year, other than he, he came into the training room and, and told me he was having some, some issues with his back. Um, and when it started, it was, again, I don't know if that was the, it was the issue at that particular time, but he was getting a ton of breaking balls in Freddie uh, when we started to see a dip off a little bit. And then we were trying to make some swing adjustments so he could offset how he was being pitched. Um, so to say one led to the other, I, I can't can't answer that. Um, but but I think, you know, the biggest thing for him is, is understanding how to care for himself and taking care of his, his, his lower core. Uh, and he's done an unbelievable job and he stayed with the entire year as well as leading from spring training coming into the season. So I think that'll be the biggest thing for this young man is making sure he stays with his programs and the programs that we have put in place for him. Uh, he'll come back next year and be ready to do the same things, and if not greater. Excited for him. We talk a lot about Dylan Cruz, DeJon, mm -hmm. but what you guys seem to have pulled off here, pick number 40 with Yo-Yo Morales, and then in the fourth <laughs> round with Pinckney, this is a coup. Now yes. You guys have been knocked around a bit for a while here between the draft and development and it seems like you guys, the floodgates have opened a little bit over the last few months. I know it's early, yes. but uh, and, I, and I don't want to overreact to a small sample, but I got to see both of those guys and it, it looks right. Um, just give us a thought on maybe number one, if you were impressed with, you know, maybe more so like, did, did they blow you away a little bit? Did you think they'd finish in double a uh, one guy, obviously in, in the SEC played great competition in Pinckney. I think he was three for three with a bolt against Skeens. Yeah, so he's done it against some good competition. But, mm -hmm. uh, but man, Morales, we saw him make a couple of incredible plays when Toby and I were down in Fredericksburg. <laughs> and I know you, you, who knows if he ends up there with Brady House, but dude's an athlete. Uh, just give us some thoughts on those two guys in the draft. Sure. Yo-Yo, man, was, is really a talented player. Uh, he just wants to be in that lineup first and foremost. What I love about this young man is that he has an unbelievable clock at third base and in the batter's box. And it seemed like the, every, every challenge, when we pushed him up a level, his approach got even tighter. We pushed him up double A again, managed the strike zone, stayed, stayed with himself in the swing. The only thing he didn't do was hit a ball over the fence, which I'm not concerned with because I know there's power in there and it will come. Uh, but the way he handles himself, I was surprised with how fast he, you know, he's right at a borderline average to, to maybe right at average runner for, for me. Uh, but the base running instincts were good. He was aggressive on the bases. And defensively, it's, God, man, it's probably a six, if not better. I mean, the hands, the actions, the arm was probably a 65. Could be a seven if you really like him. Um, but again, I think we just have to find a way to get them both in the lineup, him and Brady, you know, whether it be they're taking turns alternating at one corner or the other, but they're both really good. Uh, and I can see them both playing, you know, on the corner, um, either corner for a long. I was going to say, before you go to Pinckney, is there like, how do you decide when or, or if is that's a Riz call or your call? 
let's just you guys don't really have a first baseman in the system or maybe you could move him to a left field or something or do you just wait like is, is that that's a good problem to have obviously but when do you decide would it be sending a guy to the AFL and saying get reps there how, how does that work exactly well again you know we, we played him at first base this year in double a yo-yo so so it's like we're you know he's a baseball player man we just need to give him a glove and, and tell him to go out there and it's the biggest thing is getting that bat in the lineup we have to grow his bat the bat is what's going to separate him and give him the best chance to play every day at the big leagues and so for us it's grow the bat the defense we know is very good we're not in a hurry to to say oh no you're a first baseman only no this guy's got skills he can play third base he has value at third base now if, if Riz decides he wants to separate them and so that they're both getting their reps at third base, we have another guy by the name of Trey Lipscomb that also plays third base pretty freaking good. So we, we have, you know, an abundance of players that play that particular position. And our goal is to make sure we're raising them and getting them prepared to help our big league club in any way we can. So, um, again, th these guys are real. All three of those dudes are so talented. Uh, I play in the position defensively. They all can swing the bat. They all bring some power to it. So it's a nice place to be in for us. And, and again, I'm trying to build that collateral for Riz so that he has the leverage he will need as he continues to build out our championship club as we move it forward. So again, we're in a good place. We're gathering talent. We're raising these guys. We're getting them prepared for the big leagues. Uh, Lip, if you'd seen him in big league camp, he hit like four, I don't know what the heck he had in spring training, but he was wearing it out. There was, I mean, we had guys in the camp like, hey man, they should take him. I was like, no, they should not take him. He's going to be fine. Be ready when they need him. But we're pushing, man. We're, we're pushing these young men and, and, they're they're on their way. They're getting they're getting closer. And um, what what I love about the group is that these guys are all great men, great teammates. They have some leadership to them. Um, I kind of talked about Pinkney a little bit earlier. Uh, again, we played him in right, played him in center. Uh, again, I didn't realize this guy. I mean, almost had like maybe three or four percent body fat. It was like it was like sick. I was like, what is going on with this guy? Just shredded. I stole all his body fat. <laughs> I mean, I got some of it myself. Don't feel bad. Um, but this dude can do some things, man. When he hits a baseball in the right center field gap or to the pull side, they stay engaged. Um, and the run tool and defense has all been, you know, fun to watch, man. This guy's got an unbelievable throwing arm uh, and, and the tenacity in which he competes on a daily basis. And what I loved about him, him and when he got to uh, Wilmington, he took Lyle under his wing. Lyle was kind of going through a little rough spot there. And he's like, come on, let's go to the cage together. And they start working together. I'm like, man, okay, here we go. So these guys are getting it. Uh, and they're getting, you know, how they're, they're going to bring each other along in this journey of trying to grow this thing out to be something really special. Yeah, I mean, to your point with Pinkney, when Grant and I went and saw the Fred Nats, it was Dylan Cruz's debut. I mentioned to Grant, I was like, obviously, we're here to see Cruz, and that's cool. I was like, this Pinkney guy's special. Like, <laughs> that was the guy that popped for me, just seeing him as a physical specimen and what yeah. he is, and then seeing his baseball abilities was obviously really cool. We talk about this draft class a lot. We talk about Cruz. We talk about Yo-Yo. We talk about Pinckney. It seems like we never talk about Travis Sikora. What's it been like seeing him? And then what's the plan for next year? And kind of maybe what's a scouting report on what Sikora is going to be for the organization? If you're down here with me during instructional, he's actually pitching day. He's going two innings a day in his inner squad game. So you can have a chance to see it for yourself. But um, big, strong young man, about 6'6", six, six, uh, high three-quarter slot, 95 to 97 so far. What I've seen down here. Um, with, a, with a good little split he has in there and then a, and a sweepy type slider that he has really good feel for that he can put on and off the plate. So really looking forward to, to getting him rolling. Um, we're, we're talking about where he will break when we break camp next year. This kind of just internally, not sure where that'll be as of today, but let's see how the winter goes. Let's see how he comes into camp in January because uh, we'll have some strength camps. We'll have some pitchers camps. and We'll see where that is at that time. I'd like to see him finish up the year at worst case scenario in Freddie. Uh, if, if he's going well, then he could end up in Wilmington. You just never know how this thing will play itself out. But looking forward to him getting out and competing against some other uniforms will be really nice. 
a lot of people fell in love with Jamer Candelario at the big league level this year, and they were so excited to see what he could do. And mm -hmm. I think he surprised a lot of people. They end up moving him at the deadline for hers and Made. And I think what we've seen from DJ Hurst so far has been fantastic since he's been in the organization. But can you give us an update on him and also what Kevin Made has been up to? Yeah, Hurst is going to be going to the Fall League Force. Um, this guy's 92. Hurst is 92 to 96 uh, with, with some serious life at the top of the zone with his heater, above average changeup, and, and a good, like a, a, a left on left slider. Obviously, the, those left on left relievers are no longer here, but this guy has starting stuff and he has a chance to stay in the rotation. Got some swing and miss to him. Great makeup and character. Looking forward to this young man just continuing to push it. I can see him, you know, when it's all said and done, being a possibly a four, four starter, four or five easy. But he has upside to a three if we can, get, you know, continue to harness the command and, and get those walks down. The biggest thing is, you know, he's trying to, you know, he, he's chasing that punch out. So get him to understand we can just got to get it out. I think that will help him, you know, lo limit some of those walks that he has in his game right now. I don't know that this is a good comp in terms of stuff at all, but I view him a lot like I view Mitchell Parker. Um, those two guys are nasty stuff. -wise. Yeah, they do stuff wise, but they're not the same. This guy's but, 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 so so you can break them down. But here here's my comp. In okay. other words, from the left side everyone's saying they're going to be a reliever because of the walks. And my point is with both of those guys, they're good enough. And the stuff's good enough that if they throw strikes, those guys are going to be legitimate starting pitchers. That's yeah. where I kind of link them together. Yes. They both have a chance to be legitimate starters at the big league level. Um, and they both have some swing and miss. Uh, their, their mix is a little bit different. Uh, one has a split. The other one has a straight change. Um, one has a spike curveball. The other one, and he's going to probably need to add another pitch to his mix to get him on the play a little more consistently. Um, they're going to be – man, both of these guys, they're good-looking young left-handers, which you can never run away from left-handed pitching because there just is never enough. And and these guys tend to – they play this game a long time because they're coming from that porch side. So I'm excited for both of those guys. But but they do have – like Parker was up to 97. And even though he gave us some runs in AAA, he was up to 97. So I'm curious because for the most part, I would say that this has been a very positive – season for the Nationals development but there's a couple guys that maybe haven't reached the the level that people expected looking at Elijah Green and looking at Robert Hassel what do you think that has been up to this season what could you attribute that to and what do you want to see improve going from this season to next all right well I think uh, let's be let's start with um let's start with Elijah I thought you know this is his first year of professional baseball and you have to understand, like, you know, coming from high school and IMG Academy, they're not facing this type of competition on an everyday basis. So for him, understanding how they're going to attack him and, and, and understanding how to fight back and put together a quality of bat, those are all learned skills. And so he's learning that now. He's down here in instruction league. I think he's in a really good place. From a defensive standpoint, the tools are there. He's running balls down. He's showing it above average arm strength. He had 30 stolen bases, so he was walking. The strikeouts were, were, were high for him, uh, but but again, he's going to always have strikeouts. That's just part of his package. He's going to be a power guy. The key is for us is to get him to touch it on a more consistent basis, and that's what we're working on right now is really trying to make him understand the approach and, and help him get on time so he can attack those baseballs in the zone that he should be attacking. Um, for for uh, Hassel, Robert, you know, he had an up-and-down year. Um, I thought the, the last month of the season, it was a lot more consistent with his offensive approach, staying in the middle of the diamond to the left center field gap, which is where his swing plays best, and him getting comfortable with who he is as a player and not trying to be someone that he's not. And those things all, they take time for these young players, man. They, they take time for them to buy into understanding who they are. He's still like, was he 20? Robert Hassel's 21 years old. This guy would be a junior. Come on, man. We're talking about, <laughs> and you're, you're visiting him as a big leaguer, and I'm like, slow down. These guys are going to be fine, dude. Trust me. Elijah's 19th. They will be fine. Just 
we're in the society where we all want it right now. He should be there right now because everyone should be as sexy as uh, what's the young fellow for Baltimore, you know, uh, Holiday. Everyone wants – he's not Holiday, man. This guy's skill set is different. His body type is different. Understanding how to play his game, they're all different, and they're going to come at different times. So we just have to be patient. They're all they, – you know, especially with Elijah. Elijah has such electric tools, man. If you look at his hard-hit baseballs and compare them not only in the minor, in the big leagues, this dude is in the top five or, or six in the top in, – in the game. So just – we have to be patient with our expectations for him and understand that he's still learning how to play with, with his, this God-given ability. The John Watson runs the Nats systems, done a banner job this year. Uh, we've kept you too long. I'll let you out on this. This will be quick, but okay. I always love asking guys this that run systems. I want you to give me the, like, don't forget about this guy kind of guy. You know, like, because you <laughs> you you probably don't listen or watch anything in terms of rankings, but yeah. you got to bump into it every now and then and be like, Oh my God, these dudes don't know what they're talking about. That's who is every the that's guy? often. That's often. That <laughs> well, I'm quite there. sure. <laughs> <laughs> but who is the guy either that you think people don't get wrong the most, or just like why does no one acknowledge how good this guy is? Or or if you have a couple names. I mean, we, we didn't talk about Vaquero, the cowboy, who's who's really yeah. we didn't talk about Max Romero, a catcher we took, you know, from Miami, went to Vanderbilt, this left-handed hitter with big time power. I mean, I can go through a couple of other names. We got some arms in here that are interesting and intriguing. So uh, I will leave you with um, goodness. Who do I want to go with here? There's a, you didn't talk about Susana. How oh, that's I, my dude too. My goodness, I'm gonna leave you with Luke Young. Keep an eye on Luke Young. That would be one to keep an eye on. And, and that's another. a deeper cut, Luke Young. Yeah, yeah, and Lord, okay. Brad Lord. Those, those would be the two. I would just, it's just I'm not, I'm not, I'm not running up the flagpole. But I'm telling you, just keep. Yeah. Just keep, All right, yeah. and you, I know you. You like it quiet, and you're like. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Like you, you kind of like the idea of, of getting slept on a little bit. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, we're just gonna come punch in your mouth. Yeah, you don't think we have any? We're here. We're here. Well, look at this year. You, I mean, look at the conversation. Really, a year ago to right now, it's impressive. Yeah. Deshaun Watson with us on Bustin' Loose Baseball. Thank you for the time, you guys. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate the call. Let me enjoying you. Have a good one. Big thanks to Deshaun Watson of the Nationals for joining us on Bustin' Loose Baseball. Yeah, I mean, I think you heard from that interview, Grant. I mean, we're going through player after player after player, and we talked about this a little bit at the start of the episode. You know, the depth of the system is just so much better now. And just as an example, it's not a perfect example, but it at least gives you some context. In 2021 for MLB Pipeline, the top prospects for the Nationals, number one was Cavalli, number two was Jackson Rutledge. 2022, Cavalli, Brady House, Cole Henry, Jackson Rutledge. Cavalli's still in the top five this year for them. Jackson Rutledge is all the way down to 13. And that's not because Jackson Rutledge has just fallen off. I mean, for the most part, they have similar grades this year as opposed to what they had last year. I would say he's but, a better prospect now than he was then. I mean, it's been time and he hasn't like taken off, but he's he's coming off of a great finish last year and a good year mm -hmm. this year. Yeah. And so the point is not that Jackson Rutledge has fallen off. The point is they've gotten more blue chippers, as you call them, into the organization. I mean, Guys like obviously Cruz and Wood and House are ahead of them, but you got Elijah Green, Dalen Lyle, Yo-Yo, Hassel, Vaquero. Like all these guys are in front of Jackson Rutledge when before there was no one in front of Jackson Rutledge. And so that's my point here. It's not to say that Jackson Rutledge fell off, but the point is that they've added more guys into the organization, and that's just the top guys. I mean, we talked about some guys with Dijon that – aren't necessarily ahead of Rutledge on the, the prospect list, but a Trey Lipscomb, you know, those kind of guys are starting to make a difference for the organization as well. So the depth of the organization is so good. And maybe it's something we can ask Dijon the next time he's on, 
we talked about a little bit earlier, but just the competition of having all these guys play well. One, it gives you more tradable assets if Rizzo wants to make a move. But then two, it makes each other better because you realize if I'm not producing, that doesn't I'm not going to get the call to the show before this guy. I have to go out there and work hard every single day and play well in order to get to that next level. And I think it's really good for the organization to have guys pushing each other at pretty much every single level of the minor leagues. And so to see all the guys get up to double A and be able to push each other down the stretch run of the season and assuming they're all going to start there next year. It's going to be really encouraging to see how quickly some of these guys can get to the bigs because it's not going to be real long, Grant. Uh, you mentioned Lipscomb, third-round pick out of Tennessee. Like, that just didn't happen before, man. Like, when we're talking about Pinckney in the fourth round, Lipscomb in the third round, some of the pitchers I referenced down the board, like, that just they weren't turning those guys into really good prospects. And I don't know that that was player development versus not drafting the right guys. You know, it's a great debate. We could have it for hours. I don't know. There, there's no real answer. I mean, every team's been trying to figure that out since the beginning of time. The bottom line was they just it, they weren't getting success uh, from this whole process, and now they are, and uh, a lot of people deserve a lot of credit for it. So thanks to Dijon for joining us. All right, we will be back. Busting Loose Baseball early next week. Please spread the word. If you got a buddy or a friend who uh, loves the Nats or cares about their system, I would say this is you know a pretty good pod to send around and try to spread the word that this is what we do all the time here on BLB. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you, and enjoy Nats baseball.